Our reading is Matthew 16, 21 to 28. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste, the, taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Well, we uh, have been in this series for three weeks uh, talking about loving God, loving your neighbor, and today is loving yourself. And uh, in some ways, it would be easy to look around and begin to say, do we really need to uh, talk about loving yourself? Is that really something we should really be spending any time looking at? I mean, we could kind of point around and think there's some pretty good evidence around to think that we're pretty good at loving ourselves, right? I mean, if you walk out of here and uh, we go, would uh, walk over to Westfield right now, we'd find you know, lots of people going through Westfield right now, uh, you know, picking out clothes and trying them on. And, and it would seem as if, uh, you know, they're doing a pretty good job of loving themselves and uh, buying the things they need and, and uh, taking care of themselves and just having a nice shop. That sort of seems like loving yourself. I mean, you could go into Little or Waitrose or even better have the food delivered right to your door. It seems like, you know, that's another way we kind of love ourselves, taking care of ourselves, making sure we're well fed and, and uh, you know, we pick out the nice things to eat and all of that. Or maybe go to the, one of the restaurants around here and, and have a nice lunch or a nice meal. That's a pretty good evidence that people are sort of loving themselves. Lots of things we do, sort of just to take care of ourselves. Uh, it just seems like, seems like we're probably pretty good at loving ourselves. Let alone if you follow social media. Um, if you follow social media at all, you will have noticed in uh, recent years, uh, one of the big hashtags is hashtag living my best life. Anybody follow that? Hashtag living my best life. I won't ask if you've posted a hashtag living my best life. Usually there's avocado toast involved in that. I don't know what that is about avocado toast and living your best life, but apparently that's really important, really significant 
and living your best life. Lots of things around us would seem to indicate that we're pretty good at loving ourselves. But in actuality, that's not really the case, is it? Depression is a significant factor in modern life. Among young people, anxiety and, and the rates of anxiety and the de- amount that anxi- uh, youth are dealing with today is just skyrocketing. Listen to these statistics about, particularly these are uh, UK women, young, or girls and women from the ages of 16 to 24. Excuse me, yeah, 16 to 24. This statistic is about self-harm. And by self-harm, that could include anything from punching themselves, to hitting themselves, to cutting themselves, or to burning themselves. In in the year 2000, 6.5% of 16 to 24-year-old UK women reported that they had done self-harm. 6.5% in 2000. By 2007, the figure was 11.7%. By 2014, 19.7% of 16 to 24-year-old women had reported that they had self-harmed. One in five. That doesn't sound like loving ourselves. I think what we have around us is a culture and a society that is very, very good and very honed in at being self-centered and selfish, but not a culture that understands what it means to love ourselves. And those are two very different things. So today we're going to take a little bit of time and walk through this and in, in, in and, and, and as well in light of this passage, because of all passages, I mean, if we're going to talk about loving ourselves and the passage we pick says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate that. <laughs> How does that relate to loving ourselves? That seems an odd sort of approach. But right in the middle of this passage, it says, what if we were to gain the whole world and what? And lose our souls. I think we live in the midst of a culture and a world today that is excellent at striving after gaining the world. And in the midst of it, we're losing our souls. And at the heart of it has this issue of our ability to love ourselves. So three things just to talk about that as relating to loving ourselves and what we might mean by that. The first is that there is no, we do not have the capacity to love ourselves aside from the fact that first we've been loved. If we're going to learn to love ourselves, if we're going to be a people who love ourselves and in turn then can love our neighbor, we first have to understand that we are loved. And it's not the love just of the people around us. The important piece is that we're loved by God, our creator. 
If we're going to be people that love ourselves, we first have to receive the love of our creator and the one who made us in his image and likeness. It's amazing if we look at the life of Jesus that uh, in Jesus' life, we have some specific, very clear moments when Jesus is explicitly told of the love that the father has for him. And there are key moments in his ministry I mean, we don't know how many times perhaps in prayer and times when he would uh, uh, separate himself and go away and spend time with the Father. We have no idea how many times over and over the Father may have told him about his love for him. But we do know that just before he sort of launches into his public ministry, he goes to be baptized. And as he goes to ba- be baptized by John in Matthew three sixteen, this is what it says, that as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. And then as Jesus is preparing for his journey to the cross and to Jerusalem, this moment where he goes up to the mountain and takes his closest disciples with him, we call the transfiguration. And, uh, and while they're on the mountain, this happens. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Jesus would say this in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. See the way the source is? <laughs> as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. So he says, now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And then 1 John 4, 16 through 19 tells us that God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And verse 19, we love because he first loved us. See, we don't have the capacity to love ourselves until we've received the love that God has for us. A self-centered, a selfish life is a life that has a scarcity mentality. It's a life that says, nobody else is gonna take care of me. And if I don't take care of me, and if I don't get what I need to, to survive in this world, then no, it's not gonna come from anywhere else. So I've got to go after it. I've got to grab it. I've got to get it for myself. I have to do it all for myself. And it, it forces us, and it, it's a mindset that says, There's no, I have no other resource, and so I've got to go grab it. And it becomes about us. And it, and. And our lives become that self-centered peace. But when we receive the love of the Father, the love that he's shown for us, the love that he extends to every one of us day after day after day, it's an abundance mentality. 
It's a recognition that every morning when we wake up, we're loved. It's not a love that's going to be diminished. It's not a well that's going to be dry. We can always dip in the bucket in, our, in that well and draw up and receive this sense that God loves us, that he created us, he formed us, he fashioned us, he, he, he's, he's passionate about us. What would it be like to wake every morning and be reminded first thing in the morning, I am loved. The creator of the universe loves me. No matter what else happens today, I'm loved. That helps. Because you know, as the day goes along, usually there are things that happen in my life on a fairly regular basis that think, I think to myself, that is not terribly lovely. <laughs> How did you just do that? And I start a battle of, well, do I really? Oh, man. And you know what I have to be reminded of? Wait a minute. God loves me. God loves me in spite of that. And if he loves me, then I need to love me. We need to draw from the abundance of God's love if we're going to love ourselves. Well, the second thing is living with purpose. In this passage, Jesus is on his way and preparing to go to Jerusalem and he's beginning to tell his disciples, I'm headed to Jerusalem and when I get to Jerusalem, they're going to do some bad things. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. In fact, I'm going to die there. Jesus was very clear on his purpose. Some of the gospels will talk about Jesus and describe it this way, that Jesus' face was like a flint, that he was set to go to Jerusalem. He was set. He knew what he was here for. He knew why he was on this earth and he knew what his purpose was. And he was committed to that purpose and he was pursuing that purpose with all that he had. Peter hears this news and he's, whoa, Jesus, no, you don't understand. You can't do that. That's not really helpful. And, and Jesus has to rebuke him. Get behind me. You're, you're thinking in worldly terms here, Peter. He said, this is kingdom stuff. This is a different way of understanding. So get behind me. Jesus knew he had a purpose. We need a purpose. Here's what psychologists tell us. This, the need for purpose is one of the defining characteristics of human beings. Let me say that again. The need for purpose is one of the defining characteristics of what it means to be a human. To be fully human. We need a purpose. Psychologists tell us that we long for it that we experience significant psychological difficulties without it. Without having a clear sense of purpose, literally it messes with our minds. And psychologists also say it's necessary for fulfilling life. In psychological terms, there's been a bit of a consensus over what it means uh, to have purpose. And this is the way psychologists are beginning to define purpose. That purpose is a stable and generalized intention to accomplish something that is at once personally meaningful, so deeply personal, means something to the individual. But here's the kicker. 
but at the same time leads to productive engagement with some aspect of the world beyond the self. In other words, purpose isn't just about us being fulfilled, but it actually purpose, real purpose is something that leads us to engagement with the world around us, something bigger than ourselves. I think that's the kind of purpose that we find in Jesus, the kind of purpose that we find in our faith, the kind of purpose that we can discover when we understand that we're made in his image and likeness and that he formed and fashioned us. And as the Bible says, that he's prepared us for good works before we were ever created. That's purpose. It's one of the ways we love ourselves is to discover and understand the purpose that God has given to us. Well, the last one is to truly love ourselves means that we choose discipline. That may seem a little bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? <laughs> to choose discipline. Listen to these words. Um, Admiral William McRaven, he's a US, admiral in the U.S. Navy. For 36 years, he served as a, uh, as a Navy SEAL kind of a tough guy. <laughs> Listen to what he says. Every morning in basic SEAL training, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they would inspect was your bed. If you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers pulled tight, the pillows centered just above the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. That's Navy talk for bed. It was a simple task, mundane at best. But every morning, we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors. Tough, battle-hardened seals. But the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another and another and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you'll come home to a bed that's made, that you made. And a made bed gives the encouragement that tomorrow will be better. If you wanna make a change in the world, Start off with making your bed. Not dissimilar from the words that Jesus tells us as well, isn't it? Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I have to confess I didn't make my bed this morning. <laughs> I do make my bed 
I've, I didn't tell the nine o'clock this. I just admitted I didn't make it. I do make it every week. I'm the one who makes the bed in the family. It was a big marital issue years ago. But I don't make it on Sundays because Sunday is my wife's Sabbath day and sometimes she likes to crawl back into bed. So I have, I have permission not to make it on Sundays so that she doesn't have to, no, anyway, it doesn't matter. Choosing to live a life of discipline is another way that we love ourselves. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We need to love ourselves. It's not as simple and as easy as it sort of sounds. And so many of the models around us are not really truly models of loving ourselves. They're just variations on living a self-centered self-serving life that leads us into bondage and leads us actually into deep disappointment and despair. And today I want to encourage you to love yourself. To know that you are lovable. That no matter how you may feel right now, no matter how you may view yourself, no matter how you may feel that you have failed or let somebody down or whatever else it is, the reality is that the God who created you, who formed you and fashioned you and called you into being, loves you. He's proud of you. And with that knowledge, I should give you the courage to take the first steps in saying, and I love myself. And if you learn to love yourself, then that means finding what his purpose is for you, why he's put you here. And then it means ultimately the call to discipleship, the call to discipline. And in some strange world, where we seem to be trying to get everything it has to offer and yet losing our souls. Jesus is here today to say it just might be that in denying yourself and taking up your cross and following him, that might just actually be the best way to love yourself because it might actually be the way that you gain your soul. Amen.